Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. So how would, and, and maybe there you don't have an answer to this and that's fine. How would you take that first person who wanted to work from anywhere? Now he's doing this for five years. He's like, oh, this has been amazing. He comes back to you five years later. He's like, Lisa, listen, this has been fantastic, but you know what? I'm ready to take it. I just want, the, I just want the money to keep coming. I don't want to keep speaking. I don't want to keep yeah. like, I had enough. This is fun. This was nice. I want to hang up by the pool a little bit more, maybe do something else. How do you take him out of that business now? Or can you? Well, the easiest way is to develop courses or things like that, consumable products that he puts the effort into once and doesn't have to keep. Then how, how are they getting promoted? Because he's been selling them through his speaking and through his social media. Well, and, you know, that's something you, if he's not going to promote it himself, he's going to have to hire somebody. But what I'm saying is he's not constantly redoing the work over and over no he's not redoing the work but he's still but again if someone's brand dies and i'll just tell you what i've seen right mm -hmm. people will do this and then they they tire of it right or it's just like okay that was really fun to create and you know yeah. and if they're no longer pumping time and energy into it forget even money it dies because it it lives and is built on them sorry you kind of oh don't tap for a minute. I'm sorry. Not a problem. Zoom is so much fun these days. We love it. And because it it lives and dies on them, right? Yeah. So even oh. if they don't need to rebuild the course necessarily, but very often they do because they've learned more or the world has changed. You can't really ignore a digital product for the most part. I mean, really, if 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 it's somebody who totally doesn't want to do anything then they have to develop some kind of product or service that has nothing to do with them that they can sell to somebody and that's wide open. So I can't give you an answer on that because, but the sailboat guy would have been the, the, that service. That's an example of it because anybody could have come and bought it and then hired somebody that knows about that industry. To just keep updating it. Right. To keep going. But they could have done that to begin with also with the printings. Oh yeah, yeah. That was a saleable yeah, asset to be with. Yeah, but. What I wanna understand, and I don't know if there's an answer here, what I'm trying to like pick out is when you have something that really is your job, take a graphic designer, take a occupational therapist, right? Take any of these people, you know, I, I break them down into three categories, right? I'd say there are five categories of entrepreneurs. There's the creative, the employee, the guide, the deal maker and the solutionizer. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the first three are really the hardest. The first three, the creative, right? So someone who's just talented, they're talented. They're the graphic designers and the interior designers, and they make these pretty custom cookies or cakes, or um, they just, they, they're creative and they're talented. Um, the employees are people who were employed in a certain position and now they do that thing themselves. So mm -hmm. they're a lot of, uh, very often white collar or healthcare. Right? Yeah. All different types of therapies, uh, holistic or allopathic. They're the bookkeepers and the paralegals or the lawyers and the accountants and the CPAs and the forensic, like all of them. Right. Um, 
And then the guides, which is all the coaches and the consultants mm-hmm. who are guiding people. These people most often build a salary. They yeah. Build yeah. A yeah. Let's take the cake baker. Take a cake baker. Somebody okay. like that. Huh? Okay. That's the easiest yeah, one, but say, I'll let, I'll let it go. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That, what did you say? So that's the easiest one because. Oh, well, then let's pick a different one. I just don't no. want to. We can do coaches if you want, but we were already kind of talking. Yeah, we were already on coaches. Pick and fine. Take the cake baker. Well, let's say the cake baker is one of those people with like the Instagrams where like she's got these like ridiculous cakes that like have glitter cascade coming out of it and like no one else can figure out this whole thing. Yeah. Okay. The low hanging fruit would be to create something that helps other people do that. An educational thing, but that still depends on her. The harder thing to do, but the thing that would be probably the highest value and definitely the easiest to sell would be if she could think of some product that she could create. I say she, she, he, they. It's very often a she. No, I'm not. I don't have an issue with being stereotypical. It's usually a she. (laughs) Yeah. Well, anyway, um, if they could come up with an idea for an actual physical product that would help people do something that helps them make cakes more like they do that and I don't know what that would be because I'm not a vision from service to product meaning cake is a product but I call those service products right where there's a blend you know a nail salon is service product business like you have physical deliverables but you also have a service element to it right yeah so the easiest because if she wants to sell that then she has to have people that she has trained that somebody else can buy and keep paying them whereas if she creates some type of product like let's pretend it's like 100 years ago whatever and whoever created the first cake decorating kit you know where the little bags with the icing and the so imagine that didn't exist and imagine if this cake decorator had figured out a way to do this and then was like oh that's what i can do i can go start having these made and I can sell them and somebody else could have been like, oh my God, I could turn that into something huge and buy it. So that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. That would be a physical type product that would be totally independent of that person once it's fully created. Right. So that's what I'm taking out of this. For something to become a saleable asset, you really just have to remove yourself from it completely. And uh, most of the time it is totally different than the thing you're currently doing. Meaning there is no way to take the, the salary you've created for yourself and sell that. What you can do is now based on everything that I've learned, everything that I've done, everything that I know, new problems that I see my audience having, or just a completely different mindset and way of looking at it, I can create something different and that might become a saleable asset if it's a product. Yes. And, and to your point about taking themselves totally out, the highest value they can create would be if they think, try to think of their business as a turnkey business, that somebody walks up tomorrow, hands me cash, I can hand them the key and maybe some instructions or whatever. I can leave and they can walk in and do it. That's why I'll give you a perfect example on that, vending machines, because that is keys. You know, you yeah. person buys the key. The machines, the keys, and the products, anybody could do it. Uh, That's just a very basic example. But most any type of business out there, 
can be adapted to operate like that, but you have to make sure that if it is a service type business, that there are people there who are trained that can continue working for the person who buys it if they don't want to work. Got it. And But some people who buy do want to, they do want to be able to work in the business, but they don't want to have to work in it. And that's where if you have somebody like that, if you're an expert, you know, part of the deal could be that you work with them for six months or a year or whatever. So it does, you don't have to be totally out of it, but you have to target it to the kind of buyer that you think you're most likely to find. An example of the latter is local clothing company that's been in business over a hundred years, high-end men's apparel that everybody would have thought would close down. They ended up selling it to a young man who worked for them. He was really good in sales and, and they realized that he had an entrepreneurial spirit, but he probably never would have been able to start a business like that. So they groomed him intentionally. He's like, yes, this would be my dream. And so from within they groomed him and helped. And then they sold it to him and they were able to walk away. And he has an awesome legacy business. I love it. Very cool. So I, I think my last curiosity on this is what is your passion? Cause you've done so many things. Like how did you land here and, and kind of what is your here? Like what is your business now? Because in a way, and I don't mean to be to be mean at all or blunt, but it sounds like you were working with people to create saleable assets, but you are living in a personal brand where you personally guide people. Well, I'm actually in the process of creating some products now. I just haven't <laughs> released them. But no, that's a valid point. And I was, I was going to say that earlier. It's something that all most entrepreneurs do. We get so busy in our own business, we have our nose to the grindstone, but a lot of the reason that I'm where I am is I was my mom's full-time caregiver for the last five years of her life with Alzheimer's. So my business was still running while I was doing that, but I had to take my focus away and, you know, focus on just keeping the business going, not on what can I be developing? What can I be creating? Then she passed away. I kind of, you know, take a couple of years to get a deep breath and, you know, recover from that. And now I'm in that phase that I'm like, okay, now I'm ready to do for myself what I've done for everybody else. But the, the first, you know, 20 years of owning my business, I, I raised two kids. I cared for my father-in-law with Alzheimer's for almost eight years. I started three businesses, including this one you know, uh, cared for my mom. So I've always been kind of the typical mother caregiver type that owns the business, but that person is always their last priority. Everybody else is there. So I know, I know how people feel because I've been there. And, you know, when my mom, when my kids first moved away to go to college, I told my husband that this is my time. This is time for me to focus on my business and build up something that I can sell. Um, And literally within a couple of months, my mom, I started realizing since I had cared for my father-in-law, I recognized it even before the doctors did. So wonderful plan, but didn't work out at the time. Didn't work out. 
Yeah. And I'm sure that there are a lot of people out there that life intervenes, you know, with the best laid plans of mice and men, life intervenes and you have to, you know, deal with it. But then whenever you can get back on track, figure out what it is you want out of life. I like that. How do you I, I can time? tell you, That's I can tell you, I am not a person who is like, oh, I want to sell something and make millions of dollars. Money does not really motivate me. I know that about myself, but I also know that I have to have a certain amount of money in order to be able to retire. So everything I look at is, I don't look at it as, oh my God, how can I sell for five or $10 million? I look at it more through the lens of what can I enjoy doing while I'm building it and I'm also big on, I like it to be something that in some way helps people. And, and that, died. <laughs> yeah. And so, but that's me. Now there are other people that could care less. They're just like, I just want as much money as possible so I can retire in two years or whatever, you know? And that's why I said at the very beginning, it's so dependent on the exact person. But I do want to say, you make a great point that, yeah, everything's dependent on me right now. To everybody who's listening, please understand you are not the only one. Being an entrepreneur is one of the loneliest things in the world. And everybody ends up feeling like, oh my God, everybody else is successful but me because they're looking at people on social media and they're thinking that everybody else has it figured out. Well, I'm going to tell you, they don't <laughs> a lot. Some of them do, but most of them don't. And even if they do, don't try to build your business just like they are because they are not you. I love that. It's so true, by the way. It is yeah. so true. And it only becomes more true. I think COVID has, yeah. has exacerbated that. A yeah. lot for a lot of people. Like I know for myself, I used to work in a co-working space. Uh -huh. I love the energy of having all the people around. It was also a great place to generate leads. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But you know, you're around others, and when you're an entrepreneur, and then you're also working from home. Because I'm in LA. LA has basically been under quarantine for a year. Um, not oh, yeah. like they they let us out a teeny bit, then back under out a little bit. We did. We've had yeah. our salons and our restaurants closed. I think three times by now. Um, for for months at a time we're like there's just no dining out even like not even yeah. outdoors like nothing it's mm -hmm. like we don't care that your eyebrows are looking terrible okay like, yeah i know everybody has more freedom than ever though because hey you have an excuse right exactly exactly you just let all your self-care and beauty regimen down the toilet and and so for me i shut down my office and, mm -hmm. and set up a, a new home office and it's like there are days that i am home all day just all because that because where there's nowhere to go my work is in the house my house is in the house my food is in the house <laughs> like where exactly. yeah and then if you're not connecting to others yeah. you can get very into your own head and I speak to clients all the time who are like you know how does this one do it and how does that one do right. it and I, I can't tell them because sometimes those other people are my clients as well. I have a very, yeah, strong yeah. I can't say to them, that one's not doing what you think they're doing. Exactly. That's, that's what I meant in the, and that goes back to my friend that's starting the platform to help match up coaches and masterminds. And that's the exact reason, because if you just go by what people are saying about themselves, 
Heck, they might be leaning on a rented car. <laughs> I mean, that's what Steve says. My coach, Steve Sims, he's always like, yeah, they're on the leaning up against the rented, rented Ferrari. You cannot go by that. But even if they are wildly successful, th this is one of the mistakes I made when I was caring for my mom. I looked around and instead of thinking about my own personality and what I like and don't like, I was like, oh my God, I've got to hire somebody to help me run this business because yada, yada, yada. Now, what I would have done for anybody else is tell them, first of all, do not hire anybody when you are at such a critical emotional thing. Correct. So, because that desperation, you are going to bring the yeah. worst person in. When you are just like, help, I'm drowning. I need to hire someone to save yeah. me. You will make the worst hire of your life. Exactly. And hello, yes, I hired somebody that I knew who almost bankrupted me. Yeah, every Six time. Every time. I've seen this every time. <laughs> So what I would have done for a client, I would have said, first of all, don't hire anybody. But secondly, we would have gone through everything I do. I would have said to me, tell me all of your services. Show me what makes the most money. Show me what makes the least. What is it that you enjoy doing? Because maybe it doesn't make very much, but you really like this piece. So let's leave it in there. But what are all the things you do that you really don't like doing that you've only added because you feel like you had to? Because almost everybody ends up doing that when they own a business, especially a service business. They feel like, oh, you know, like printing companies got into designing websites. Had no business doing that. A lot of a them. Great way to grow and a terrible way to scale. It's appropriate in the growth exactly. phase. That's what yeah. I teach, right? To explore, to expand because mm -hmm. clients are coming to you and they're telling you more problems. And you're like, oh, you're an entrepreneur because you come to solve problems. That is the essence of yeah. pretty much every successful entrepreneur. You, you're a problem solver. Exactly. So you have existing clientele. They've got no problems. You're like, hey, I could solve that one too. Let's expand. Yeah. And that works for the growth phase. It does yeah. not work for scalability. It gets you yeah. very busy being busy. Exactly. And you're expanding and you're doing all these things, but then you sit down and we did that in our own company. Mm -hmm. and, and you say, wait, of all the different things we're doing, you know, my motto is more money, less headache. Yeah. <laughs> we found one aspect of our business that was more headache, less money. I'm like, this, this is not an alignment at all. Exactly. And you probably really never even really wanted to do it, but it was something that clients started asking for. And so you're like, we might as well for me, do that. Was, it was not, but it was just, I'm doing what I oh. do for like 12 years, which is not as long as you. Yeah. Um, but it had more, the world has changed so much in the last yeah. decade. What's available and the complexities. Oh of, yeah. It's just so different. Well, and that's one thing that I really stress to clients. Everybody gets so hung up on which app to use and which this, that. I'm like, it just it use something. Just use something because right. all it is is a tool. And my analogy for that is I love to mow grass for exercise. So I mow with the push mower. I get strength cardio and like in the zone meditation. Plus, I or I listen to a bunch of podcasts. I will literally mow for hours. Um, I'm serious because we have like really steep hills. One day I went to the doctor and she's like, what are you doing for your workout? And I told her, she kind of rolled her eyes. I, I held up my um, Fitbit app and I had mowed, mowed nine miles the day before. And she goes, oh, okay, I'm going to shut up. But my point <laughs> with that is I love it. So I use the push mower. Doesn't matter. It's just a push mower. Doesn't matter what brand, as long as it cuts the grass. My husband hates it. He uses the riding mower because he can do it faster and he can drink beer at the same time. <laughs> you know, hey, 
He picks the tool that works for him. I pick the tool that works for me. Either way, the grass gets mowed. You know? I think there's a deeper lesson also. Can I, can I, because I, as you're talking, I think there's, there's a depth here that's not even being brought out. Because you love it, you can use a very simple tool. You use the simplest tool and you love it. And the tool doesn't matter at all. Whatever mower we would give you, you would love it. So the tool makes no difference because you love exactly. doing it. Whatever right. tool we give you, simple, complex, doesn't matter. Yeah. Your husband hates it. So he needs a very specific tool to be used a very specific way to be done as fast as possible and yeah. distract me while I'm doing it. That's a great point. And so people, y'all think about that with your apps. If you love doing it, you probably would be happy using it. It doesn't matter. Or you might love going from one to the other. But mm -hmm. if you just don't want to deal with it, you be, you need to make that right choice right then. I feel like I need a very specific. And, and yeah. you might be better just to delegate it. Like if you would someone say to your husband, listen, yeah. sir, if you just do this or pay this much money, you will never have to mow the grass again. Yeah. Like, I'm in. Well, we, I won't we, let him because I to you. I won't let him because I want to mow. And then if I run out of time, he has to mow and he's like, ah. That's fair, but I know, I'm just you know what I'm saying? We wouldn't be able to sell that to you at all. Yeah. I couldn't sell to you at any price I, someone else to mow your grass. Yeah. Because you love it. Yeah. I want to, since you brought up COVID, I want to tell you about one of my friends. His name is Richard Mulholland and he owns Missing Links um, Presentation Powerhouse in South Africa. He made a comment to me that I love, he said, COVID gave me the freedom to fail because for the first time ever, nobody would have blamed me if I failed. They wouldn't have looked at me and said, you're stupid or why'd you even do that? I, I could have told you it would never work. They would have been like, oh, well, it's not your fault because it's COVID. And so, because what happened is he, he had an international business training, really high level, people to turn their expertise into being paid speakers. Well, of course, overnight, zero revenue. But within a few days, they had created a new product that is training people virtually to do the same thing, story to stage. But he had been really bored in his business. He'd had it 20 some years. He was bored. COVID forced him to quit being comfortable. He had a really you know, good business, but bored forced him to quit being comfortable and do something different. And, and his growth rate is higher than ever. So I think that all of us, that's just one example, but all of us need to, yes, this is a horrible time. It's hard for everybody, but it's also an amazing opportunity that we can really dive deep into ourselves and hopefully come out the other end being happier and better off. I love that. I love that. And I love that line that COVID gave him the freedom to fail. And I think yeah. for a lot of type A super producers, you know, whether they recognize it or not, it's true. Yeah. It's really true because now there is a worldwide, no one in the entire world is going to blame you if something doesn't work right now. Because yeah. so many things are out of so many people's control. Yeah. They're just, oh, well, they're another, you know, they're another victim of Another, another COVID casualty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Still alive. But COVID yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah, not of the disease itself. But this has been really fun. Yeah. Tell everybody where they can find you. Okay. My website is lisakipsbrown.com. L-I-S-A-K-I-P-P-S-B-R-O-W-N.com. Um, 
and I'm Lisa Kips Brown. Lisa Kips Brown basically on social media. Uh, my book Boomer Cash Out is available on my site and on Amazon. And I have a new book coming out this spring called Disrupt Your Now: The Successful Entrepreneur's Guide to Reimagining Your Business and Life. And I have a lot of successful entrepreneurs who are going to be in it, like Steve Sims, the real life Wizard of Oz, Jeffrey Madoff, the owner of Madoff Productions, and like Ralph Lauren, Victoria's Secret for his clients. So a lot of people like that, but I also go all the way down to one of the people in it has started her business during COVID. Oh, wow. So I have a wide range of people who at some point have had to disrupt their nail, you know, and make adjustments. That's really cool. I like that. I want to get that Thanks. back. That's really cool. Well, Lisa, thank you. This has been amazing. Thank you. So I appreciate you now, which I didn't warn you. And I like to ask you for a quote. Does not have to be your favorite one of all time, but it can be. Okay. And, uh, but I love quotes and I love how they send people on their way. Okay. I got, I have one that I say all the time and I got to make sure I, I say it right because it, even though it's my own thing, um, the most important questions are the ones that you don't even know need asking. Interesting. And that's why you really, it's really important to, to go to people who know what they're talking about you can save so much money by spending a little bit of money and um i'm just going to use the the web for example just because i'm in that so i can no i'll give you an example of a client they signed a two-year contract it's a nonprofit. they signed a two-year contract for crm they could take recurring donations well they didn't know until later that the, the customer, the donor cannot stop their donation. They couldn't give a limit. They couldn't set him any time, nothing. It was perpetual until they call the people and say, I want to cancel it, which is the most ridiculous thing in the world. Most web designers, web developers would have said, they would have known these are the questions you need to ask. They didn't know. And so it cost them a lot of time and people that aren't happy, you know, and also a lot of money because they signed them for two years for something that wasn't a good fit. So that's just a really simple example. I like that. And then the question is, how do you figure it out? And it's really just asking people who've been there before. It's getting advice of veterans, people who have walked the path that you want to walk. And that's, um, we're talking about your friend with the coach app. You know, I say, if you're going to find a mentor, if you don't come from money, don't get a mentor who began their business on a trust fund. You exactly. know, like find someone who's, they don't have to be in the same industry as you, but find someone who's walked a similar path. And that's why story is so important and creating those connections. And, uh, and they can kind of shortcut you all of the mistakes. Like I say, it takes about 10 years to get your contract right, you know, yeah. in, in a, a service business. I can shortcut you nine of them. Yes. Yeah. Because you learn from somebody else's experience. You use them as the ramp. And even if you're not going to get a coach, I highly recommend being part of a mastermind. Even if it's not a formal mastermind, have a group of people that who know more than you about stuff. You don't want somebody just at your level because then you can't challenge each other. You need people who can challenge you to think differently in areas that you might not be as strong in and you will grow so much faster. I love that. On that note, 
I think we're going to send everyone on their way for today. Guys, you want to share this. You know someone who needs to hear this, who needs to learn more about moving beyond their salary, scaling out, and who just wants to have a good time today. So share the love wherever you're listening to this episode. Subscribe because more amazing things on the way and we will catch you next week. Lisa, thank you so much. Thanks, I enjoyed it. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?